Welcome back. I think in the history, the checkered history of this program, I've had about, I don't know, Dan Long, Jack Heinrich, what do you think, about 5,000 producers on this? You two are among the best, but truly on the top of the list is probably my old pal, Courtney Crowder, who has gone on to bigger and better things. She's on the phone from Iowa. Courtney, how are you? Do you miss this place? Uh, Rick, I miss you <laughs> every day. And I miss running the show. I mean, it was always so interesting, those two hours. And our show was really late. We were 9 to 11. I know. We were um, we were night hours. I guess I guess they, they moved me around because I'm getting older and they don't think I can stay up past 10 o'clock. Uh, it's great. Well, it's great to hear your voice. When did you leave? When, According to not only was it her main job was certainly not the, being the producer of this program, but it was being an incredibly talented member of the staff of the Chicago Tribune. When did you leave? I certainly remember the weeks leading up to your leaving. Rick, should I do this? Do you think this is a good idea? Blah, 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 blah. It's turned out to be a great idea. When was that, Courtney? It was January, the first week of January in 2015. That's when I left. Wow, is it really that long ago? Oh, my God. It has God. been that long. Wow. Time just runs, right? Yeah, it has been that long. And I will never forget it because... Uh, it was like January 2nd or something. Somebody look up the, the last, the first Sunday in 2015 that I did the final show with you. Wow. It was my last thing that I did, really, honestly, before I left. Well, if, if the Museum of Broadcast Communications wasn't in such chaos, I would dig up that show and send it to them for their archives. You've, you've, <laughs> you've, you took a job at the Des Moines Register, which is a really, really fine, fine newspaper. You have thrived there, have you not, Courtney? I have. You know, I think my time at the Tribune was a really good learning ground for what I did here at the Register, which is jump into any and everything and eventually find myself as the Iowa columnist who does a lot of what you do, Rick, I say with all humbleness, um, but just for Iowa. Well, we'll get to you're going to be on for until you know ten minutes to to uh, seven because I want to talk to you about a variety of things. Uh, you in thriving there. One of the reasons I think Courtney and I'm reading your stuff all the time from there is that you were just. I thought you were in one of the most talented people to pass through the Tribune in my lifetime, and which is which is pretty lengthy at this point. And I I didn't think you got. The opportunity that obviously the Morning Register has given you, uh, it, it must have been very empowering for you. It has been. And here's the, here's the slightly deeper story. So when I was working at the Chicago Tribune, I was working in the entertainment department, and my beat was really celebrities, honestly. It was a lot of sort of curating, not a lot of doing a ton of my own interviews. I was yeah. sort of pigeonholed yep. in the celebrities area. And I got into this business to change the world and nothing less. Yes, and that, um, and and that so was I, not working for you at this place, yeah. No. And so I started looking for some place that would allow me to write about social justice and kind of get to this place where I am today, which is long form narrative features, you know, mm -hmm. four to 7,000 word stories. Oh, God, um, and the register said, we'll do that for you. Um, the only trade off is for your first six months, we need you to be essentially the full time reporter on 
The Bachelor, the ABC television reality show, because an Iowan had been selected as The Bachelor. So they said, if you come out and you use all your celebrity knowledge to cover the heck out of The Bachelor, then from there, we will help you get to where you want to go. And a place like The Register... Honestly, you know, I covered the caucus cycle. Sure. I'm not interested in politics, and that's something I figured out covering the caucus cycle. But I covered the caucus cycle. I covered sports. I was able to do all of these things to really say to myself, what I want to do yeah. is write about people and yeah. write about humanity. You know, you you and your your husband. I mean, it was a it was a big. I mean, it was a big move mm-hmm. to go out there. Uh, in short, Courtney Crowder, you have found Iowa to be uh, a rich mine for stories, yes? Absolutely, 100%. And it was really difficult. You know, my husband is a Southside Irish Catholic boy. Good guy, uh, though. Good guy, every yes. Member, every member of his family, you know, lives in a 20-mile radius um like joliet was really far you know it was a big deal for us to pick up and move to iowa um but it was for my job and that job continues to deliver rich stories that i can tell and frankly can grow and change myself along the way because that's what you do as i'm sure you know rick when you meet people and you write about them you're not just sharing their story you're sort of sharing it alongside with them you're changing yourself and that's been maybe the best part of well being this, able to be out here and this you know I, I could have had you on to talk about any number of stories you've written over the years since you've departed chicago but all of a sudden i got an email from courtney crowder saying rick uh i, I made a documentary <laughs> okay that's good uh i watched it almost immediately after getting it uh, a couple of days ago this week and was bowled over. Uh, we will talk about the uh, documentary, and we'll try to figure out a place for it to play in Chicago. I know you're coming here in a while. It is called Shift, the Ragbride documentary. Ragbride is is honestly, Courtney, is one is like perhaps the worst acronym I've ever heard in my life. But it's, <laughs> it's it's uh, it stands for the registered. Register annual Great Bicycle Ride Across Iowa. We'll talk more with Courtney Crowder. I'm so glad to talk to you, Courtney, on the phone. Uh, We'll do it in person, but we will discuss this fabulous hour-long documentary that is about not just Iowa, but it's about mankind. We'll be right back. Courtney Crowder, uh, a dear friend of mine and a grand talent who the Tribune was... uh, I don't know if the Tribune was sad to lose you. I was sad to lose you. The Tribune never yeah. took the Tribune never took full advantage of your gifts. Uh, frankly, uh, she's been in Iowa for the last jeez, uh, pushing eight years. She went out there yeah. in 2015. <laughs> Seems like yesterday. Well, the pandemic sort of screwed up my my feelings about time in general. She's now a film director she and a colleague at the des moines register a photo editor named kelsey kramer uh have collaborated on what i think is one of the best and i used to be a tv critic and a film critic it was one of the best most moving documentaries i can remember seeing it is called shift the ragbride documentary 
Had you heard, you must have heard of Ragbri. It is the oldest, largest, longest bike touring event in the world. I, frankly, Courtney, had never heard of it. But had you heard, you must have one day seen a bunch of people on bikes. (laughs) Well, so it started out of the Register newsroom before I was born. In 1973, these two columnists, uh, John Karras and Donald Call, who worked at the Des Moines Register, and were also early adopters of uh, the biking boom, kind of like when biking became a recreational activity. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to ride their bikes across the state. That was their goal. And so they ginned up this idea to sort of say, we'll write stories for you, Des Moines Register bosses, if you let us ride our bikes across the state. Um, a great way to get all your expenses paid for. Yes, a couple. Well, see, I admired those guys. <laughs> and the, the couple of shrewd reporters, man. That's what I thought of those guys. Honey, are they still alive? Um, John, no, Don died uh, four or five years ago, and John just died during the pandemic. So both are gone now. Well, they certainly live long enough to 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 realize their legacy because you followed the fiftieth anniversary of this thing. It's an astonishment to me. Uh, they just came up with the idea. You must have read their initial pieces, and they must have been pretty good, yeah? They were. You know, I think that first year they, they thought the idea of inviting readers along with them on this ride was really a dumb one, and they've said that <laughs> a million times over. They really just they didn't think that it was going to work, and about 200 people showed up and ended up finishing this entire ride, which was completely self-supported. Um, and every year, it's just grown and grown and grown. And what they knew deeply is that in order to tell the story of a place like Iowa, you have to get out onto her gravel roads, you have to get out into those main streets, and you have to sit next to people you have to look them in the eye that's how you can understand and tell a story and for me i connected so deeply with that because in our business so much of it has become you know what can we get off twitter or how quickly can we get someone on the phone but to really tell a story you've got to be with you've got to be there i could not agree more did you and kelsey do the ride i i there it's so this film is so wonderfully detailed let me ask you first what what is the seed of this collaboration between you and and uh and your co-editor so kelsey and i are both uh women in the newsroom in our 30s right so immediately we connected um and about january of 2021, Kelsey called me and said, I have an idea. I want to do a documentary about Ragbri, but that's all. I, I don't know how to get at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, what we've got to do is we've got to focus on the people and the places that populate the ride. Mm-hmm. We cannot let this become, you know, a history channel or a biography yep retelling yep. of the story of starting the ride. Because I've just told you that. It takes about 30 sure, seconds. Exactly. To the story exactly. Of that. Yeah. You know, you've got to dig deeper to why. Why do these people put their lives on hold and come out to the middle of nowhere 
for a week in July to ride across the state. There's a why. You don't just do that. Right, <laughs> you do right, it right. For a reason. And what's the reason? Uh, that had to be the heart of the story. And so you began, obviously, uh, finding people who had done the ride, or maybe you didn't. Maybe you just got a camera, got a notebook, and went out there and said, hey, why are you here? You, you had to have done some research beforehand, right? To find, we did a ton of research. Yeah, to find yeah, the people. We did a ton of research. Yeah, to find the people that because, you found who were just wildly compelling people. There are other ways, Courtney, as you well know, and and it, it's not in the film. I'm sure there are people who have done this ride for many years who do it so they can get like drunk with their friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's absolutely a, there's a very fun aspect to it that you do not focus on, I, I think, justifiably. But that's got to be part of it, too, right? Yeah, and so RAGBRAI itself, it's a seven-day bicycle ride across Iowa where you stop in towns overnight, so seven different overnight towns. It's completely packed for you. It's supported. All of these little towns in between the overnight towns come out to have food and fun stuff, and they try to represent their town. So it's really a roving carnival. Honestly, it's a roving carnival for seven days across Iowa. Um, And and a lot of people come out here just to have fun. And there is so much fun to be had. No question. But when you're making a documentary, you know, you got to focus on something more. But I would also say, and I think you may agree with me here, Rick, even if the first answer you give me is that you want to drink a lot of beer, you want to hang out with your friends, if I really pushed you and I asked you, no, but really, but again, but why are you here? Uh-huh. I think there's always something deeper. There's oh, no, always something deeper. No question. Because you could ask those people, why don't you just stay home and drink beer, you idiot? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree. I could not agree with you more on that. So how did you go about? I mean, you, you obviously went to the organizers and, and said, look, do you have any? Maybe you didn't. I don't know how you did it. But you, mm-hmm. you went to the organizers and say, "Look, we're, we're we're looking for some interesting stories here, and the people who have interesting stories." Yes, that simple. Yeah. So, well, a little bit. Um, Kelsey and I we cover Ragbri every year. We cover every day of Ragbri. So, way before we started working on this documentary, we were you know reporters out in the field with our cameras or with our notebooks. Um, so I had a I had a history of people that I'd come across working on oh. Ragbri. Did you ride? So we, uh, do you, did you both ride the thing, or did you go in a car? No, no, we both went in a car, which is its own thing because you've got to hopscotch the route. And um, but no, we both went in a car. Mm-hmm. So I was mining those people I had met for story, stories that I had covered. So Tori's story, who I'm sure we'll talk about, yeah. that's one that I had previously covered. But then you're going to, you know, the big the big teams or people you know have done it and sort of saying, like, who have you ever come across? Mm-hmm. And you just keep finding new sources and finding new sources until I ended up with a list of probably about 40-ish possible interesting wow. stories. Wow. I did 20-ish phone interviews, oh. um, maybe a dozen video interviews. And then we followed seven storylines, and you end up with four in the documentary. The four you end up with are, are remarkably, remarkably compelling and very, very honest. I, I worry about a couple of them, but but I was uh, 
intrigued by every single one of these people. Who filmed? Did you film it too? You too? So we had a crew of about 10 people out for the ride. So all the work in finding the people was done by myself. All the work in setting up the visual aspects of the film was done by Kelsey. We went out and saw people before they joined the ride, did all the pre-work. Sure. On Rag Ride, we had a crew of about 10, um, about seven photographers, videographers, and three producers. And they filmed about 70 hours of footage that then Kelsey and I broke down in editing. I really created the story, and Kelsey really looked at editing, all that B-roll, editing together the best scenes. So... That week, we had a lot more people, but outside of that, it was really a, a two-woman job. Uh, let me ask you, knowing how, uh, I'm not speaking for the Des Moines Register, but rather for the Chicago Tribune, knowing how cheap newspapers mm-hmm. have become, did the Register foot the bill for this entire film? I mean, it, it obviously sounds like a, a uh, relatively expensive endeavor. Well, um, so so your answer is yes, and I will. I want to answer it in a few different ways. Um, the editor in chief of the Des Moines Register, Carol Hunter, is the kind of editor in chief you dream of if you work in this business. She's someone who, if there's passion, if she can tell there's a story, she'll find it. She'll mm-hmm. figure it out, and that's mm-hmm. what she did for this. You know, and I think that comes with some sacrifices. This was the big project we've really looked, we've really done over the past year. Sure. But Carol, our editor really fought for it. The other thing I will tell you is both Kelsey and I had never made a documentary before and, and didn't have a how to guide, you know, even though we worked for a very large corporation, it's not as though they had a, a ton of help for us. So we just had to forge ahead in the ways that we figured out how to do it. So, Rick, the hard cost of this movie, so not including Kelsey's salary and not including my salary, just the hard expense for this film was $30,000, which is not a lot, which, <laughs> which is, is no- almost nothing. Which is ro- No, which is really nothing. And I am flabbergasted uh, that you were able to produce an hour-long documentary of, of this kind of depth and visual excitement and... Uh, and substance for that, that's no money. Courtney, I'll tell no you, money. that's no money no. for this kind of thing. Uh, how long did it, t- how long, this is a tough one. When you finished filming, how long was the editing process until the uh, very successful premiere you recently had in Iowa? Nearly a year, yeah, about I'll, eight months. About. Um, Kelsey was really nearly 100% focused on this for eight months. Mm. I I wasn't. I came in and out mm. um, because Kelsey had the task of watching every single second of footage and logging it, creating, you know, spreadsheets and ways that we could find this footage because we had, you know, stuff of our characters, our subjects, but of course then we also just had, you know, morning sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, sure, like yeah. Corn, flowing, you know, flowing stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not right. a naturalist, but there are beautiful flowing fields. I'm on the phone with uh, my old friend and dear friend Courtney Crowder, an incredibly talented reporter with the Des Moines Register talking about her her documentary done in collaboration primarily with Kelsey Kramer, the Register's photo editor, but with a number of other people. We got to get some news in here. You remember this, Courtney, used to be the producer of this show. (laughs) Uh, 
and they we still have commercials on here for God's sake. Uh, and thank you very much, commercial people. And we'll continue on with her uh, after the news. The former producer of this show, former talented staff member of the Chicago Tribune, who has really, really flourished as a uh, columnist for the Des Moines Register, and the co-director of Shift, the Ragbride documentary, which is one of the one of the most compelling and I think in its way, Courtney, moving documentaries I've seen in a long time. When you finished it, there was a a premiere in Iowa and it was sold out and it was uh, incredibly well received. Did you know before that how good this was? nearly uh, very shortly before, right? I mean, I think especially the way that I work, I'm sure that nothing's going to come together <laughs> you know, for most of it. For most of the time, you're just sure that this yeah, is total yeah, yeah. bung and it's not going to work. Um, and you're just sitting in that room by yourself thinking about how it's never going to work. But there's some point where if you have enough passion and you can make sure you have the drive and you can focus it, that that all of a sudden it's like something clicking into place and you finally see what it, what it was. And so for me, it was due to our partners at Iowa PBS about a week and a half before. And I think the day we turned it into Iowa PBS that morning, Kelsey and I got to the register early and we watched it kind of as one final, this is our last chance, um, and we were both laughing and crying uh, and experiencing it as viewers wow. and being able to take myself out, being able to say, I'm a viewer to this and yeah. I have truly enjoyed myself. That was when I knew we had something. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's a time, ladies and gentlemen, you could read all about this too in uh, next Sunday, Chicago Tribune, because I'm going to write about it, not just the triumph of Courtney Crowder, but this amazing race. How many miles is it, Courtney? So it's like 450 to 500. This year it'll be 500. Yeah. And I'm sure this year it's in July, right? When it, because you don't want to do it when it's really the weather's really nice. You want to do it when the weather is really brutal. I get it. I get it. What was yeah. the What was the premiere like? I, I I have to assume you got a standing ovation. So, what the best part of the premiere is that we had all the subjects of the film there, yeah, um, in attendance. So we flew people in. We got people there. We made sure they were there and their families were there, too. Mm. And honestly, I think that was a lot of my nerves going in because you, I write emotional stuff about people all the time. People have survived trauma. People who have been through something. But I don't sit there and watch them read it. Exactly. (laughs) They read it at home. That's a very difficult thing to do. Very difficult. So, yeah, how nervous were you? I was incredibly nervous, yeah. um, and yeah. I, I sort of made sure to, to sandwich myself in between my best friend and my husband, um, but when when the lights came up and I made eye contact with all of the subjects, I mean, they were just so incredibly, overwhelmingly happy. Oh, I mean, not so... every story is happy. Right. Um, every okay. story is hopeful. Yep. Not every story is happy, but they had the message that they sought to deliver, their story, it felt authentic, and it felt real, and it felt true to them. And, I mean, when we got them up and we did a talk back, we all just hugged. I, it's, oh. It was so emotional to know that 
they put their trust in us, yeah. in me, yeah. and that we lived up to that. And, you've, and you fulfilled that trust. Let's talk about some of these people. I, I would very take a, it's It's an incredibly interesting mix. Adam Lineberry uh, was a former addicted to opiate. He tells in the film how he tells an amazing story, kind of like, yeah, well, I went to this party, and then my girlfriend said, here, this is marijuana, and the ne- that led him down a uh, a pretty nasty road. He was uh, very moving to me, especially because he had his nine-year-old kid there with him, right? Yes. Yeah. So Adam is a father to three children. His nine-year-old is his oldest, Liam. Um, and he fell into addiction, just like you said. He went to a party, yeah. tried pot, and for some yeah. people, that's it, right? Uh-huh. I mean, for an addictive personality, that's it. He is literally selling everything he owns, nearly homeless. Um, and he went to rehab, and the first rehab he went to, he got a paycheck. You know, when he got out, got a job, got a paycheck, spent that first money completely on cocaine uh, and I had know. to go back and yeah. had to go back. And, I mean, that's the story of so many people who are addicted. Yep. And for him, the way that he's been able to stay clean is through uh, cycling, is through biking. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So he's currently on a trek, on a journey to cycle through all 48 contiguous states. And he's raising money to build a rehab for people like him, yeah. people who who need more and more care and support than often rehabs can deliver. You know, one of the things about Adam and also about uh, Tori and uh, Dana and and Andrew and Ian, fascinating people there, is y- you you do understand. You've been a reporter long enough to know the the level of trust that people have to feel with you in order to tell you the kinds of stories that you were told in this film, don't you? Yeah, and it is it is a deep, deep relationship. Even yep. if you've only just met them or even if you've only known them for a short period of time, it is this moment of connection and trust that is sacred. I mean, not to sound too much about it, I right? Know. But it really yeah. is. Yeah. So. Dana Chandler, um, she runs an organization here in Des Moines called Black Girls Do Bike. Yep. And she, uh, her, her purpose is to open up outdoor recreation to get more, as she says, black funds on bikes. Yes. Um, and that was the story that I wanted to talk to her about. So she comes to my house. We're doing our interview. And so I'm asking her about Black Girls Do Bike, about diversifying cycling. And I say to her, but, you know, how do you really get involved in this? Yep. In cycling. And yeah. she looks at me, like, very deeply, and she tells me this whole story about how she, when she was 30 years old mm-hmm. with four children, yep. the youngest of which was a babe in arms, her husband was killed in a freak car accident. I know. It's a chilling and story. Yeah. Yeah. She found herself a single mother at 30 of four children. She worked in Des Moines Public Schools as a counselor, trying to pick up the pieces of her life and trying to make sure her kids still had a childhood, even though she is dealing with this grief that seems overwhelming. And the way they got through it is spending afternoons on their bikes. I know. I know. Go ahead. That moment, though, Rick, that moment where... I thought, and I do talk to her a lot about diversifying cycling, I thought that was the whole story. Yeah. And because I asked the right question, and because we both looked at each other and decided, 
that we were going to take a chance. Yep. She told me this incredibly emotional story that honestly becomes the center of a lot of the film. Yeah, yeah, because it it, it was chilling, uh, chilling and 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 uplifting to me at the same time, as was uh, the story of Ian and Andrew. You do not think mm-hmm. of. Uh, of small town America as being the most gay friendly place in the world, and that's you know, that's just the problem with people in the big city and the way they think about everything in this limited kind of way. Those guys were fantastic. Uh, they too trusted you, yes, a hundred percent. So yeah. Andrew and Ian, they live in Lansing, Iowa. That was the last city last year, so that's where you do the traditional tire dip, marking right. the end of right. your rag fry, right? Um, they're both small-town Iowa boys uh, who learned of themselves that they were gay. Yeah. And they went around the world to these big cities, had adventures, but they really always wanted to move back to rural, small-town Iowa. That's where their heart was. Yeah. And so each of them separately before they met... I know. That's sort of a cool part, too. With, that's, yes. Right. Wrestled with this idea of, like... Isn't it dichotomous? Isn't it dichotomous that I am a gay man and that I am going to live in rural Iowa? It just didn't feel like those fit, right? Yeah. And yet they both decided to do it. They found each other. Yep. They ended up in Lansing, Iowa, where they are literally the music teachers of the county. They are the music teachers for the elementary, middle, and high school schools of the county and they are completely and totally dedicated to this small town because in places like rural america in places like rural illinois Mm -hmm. outside of chicago in places like iowa these are places where you cannot rely always on the services provided for you of course not you have to rely on the people around you you have to yep and that was the feeling that they wanted back and that they wanted to be a part of cultivating and And now and they got it too that's the great that's the triumphant thing about this they got it hey yeah courtney crowder you have uh uh, made quite the film. I, let's talk for one second uh, before I let you go and make Scott dinner or whatever you do. And do say hello to him. <laughs> Your Courtney's husband is a wonderful, saintly guy uh, to go, well, I'm going to move to Iowa. Okay. I'm, how does he like it out there? <laughs> he loves it out here. He does. Good. Um, Good. And I do want to say, I, there will be a screening. I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But I do. I just want to say one other thing about this process. Sure. It, and it's similar to my choice to move out to Iowa, um, especially with my husband, right? Yes. There are so many doors that open for us in life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's so incredibly scary to walk through uh, sure. that door. And when I got the opportunity to move to Iowa, I mean, I remember how many times we talked about oh my God, what you, it would be like. You drove me crazy. And, uh, you drove me crazy. I said, Iowa, I, okay. I could have not. I could have not. Of course. And this was another chance when they said, we want to make this documentary and we're going we're gonna to do what we can to help you. Mm-hmm. But you and your partner, ultimately the people, this was another chance. It felt really scary, but sometimes the thing that feels the scariest it's going to be the thing that yep. brings you closer to the person you're supposed to be. And for me, that has happened over and over and over again. 
And so I think this film is about a lot of things. It's about you too, honey. It's about you too, honey. Don't trust me. Trust me. I can sense (laughs) that throughout. We'll take a little break. I'm going to keep you you sit for a couple commercials and we'll talk some more about Scott when we come back. (laughs) We have talked about many things with my old pal and the former producer of this very radio show, Courtney Crowder, now a star at the Des Moines Register, and also a filmmaker now with her first film, which is called uh, Shift, the Rag Bride documentary. You can read more about it in uh, this coming Sunday's, uh, next Sunday, Chicago Tribune, and I will write that story. We've talked about some of the people that the film focuses on. It basically is a beautifully filmed a story of a a venerable ride across the state of Iowa, the oldest, largest, longest bike touring event in the world with a bunch of different characters. How many people ride, Courtney? I can't remember. R- roughly how many? About 20,000. Okay. Well, that would yeah, make that would lot. make it pretty big. Yes, that would make it pretty big. We've we've talked about everybody. Uh, the focus, the you get you get a real sense of what this ride is all about. But it's focused on the uh, emotional and I think triumphant uh, stories of uh, of basically four or five people. It focuses on them correctly and rightly. So uh, we have not talked about uh, Tori Griffin. Yeah. And I will allow Tori you to do is, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tori, um, Tori is a mother of three children. Her youngest children, Daniel, is, is 15. Um, Tori came out and rode Ragbri as a single 30-something in the 90s. Um, then she went off. She got married. She got divorced. She had three kids. Mm. And she found out that Daniel uh, has a terminal brain cancer. Yeah. And... In 2021, as sort of a, a possibly last ride, last triumph, Daniel went with her to do Rag Bride for the second time. So she had these amazing memories, and now she was going to do it with her son, who was struggling with brain cancer. Um, because he was struggling with brain cancer, he was using an e-bike. Yeah. And where you got to pedal, but you can, you can you know, rely on a little bit of motion uh, via electronics as well. Um, they finish the whole first day, and they get to the overnight Ugh, town. Uh, yep, and go ahead. Someone turns and to some Daniel, jerk, uh, calls him a cheater. Right? Calls him a cheater yep. because of the e-bike. Mm-hmm. And the way Tori describes that moment is so incredibly emotional. Um, yeah. The way only a mother could describe it, but she does sort of what she knows she can do because the guy, you know, is gone now. She can't find him. She writes on Facebook, what's happened? Mm-hmm. Um, and the state of Iowa yep. replies with the most ferocious kind of love and kindness, the kind that we really pride ourselves on. Mm-hmm. Um, and people start telling stories of their own struggles. People start offering Daniel, um, you know, escorts into town via their tiny police force or putting signs up saying, go, Daniel. Um and it all ends on a, on a hopeful yeah. note. Yep. And I, you know, I don't want to give away a lot. No, of no, don't, 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 story, don't, 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 don't. But it is, it is hopeful. And he seems like we get we get glimpses of Daniel. We don't get Daniel talking for at length about stuff, but there are glimpses of him. And he seems like a, 
a nice little boy. That's all I can say. He's a nice little boy, as is uh, you know, as is Liam, the son of uh, Adam Lineberry. Uh In making according to the triumph of this film, which is mm-hmm. going to be shown here in July, unless uh, in many other places, I one would hope. You're having a screening here in July. Is that right? We are. Now, we are hopefully, hopefully there are lots of movie theater um, owners and managers listening. We are yeah, would sure. love to show this film in many, many locations. Uh, much like the making of this film, it's a two-women job to distribute this film. Yeah, well, of so course. So we're hoping that some people would like to show it. Um, but we are already booked 100% on July 16th in Crystal Lake. Um, for anyone coming on Ragri, that's a week before, mm-hmm. one week before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely going to play then and there. But we're working on hopefully a lot more. Well, I think already. it's a it's a good idea for the for the Siskel Center. It's I mean they, this is a this is a very polished work, uh, young lady. It's a very polished work, and it's a. It certainly well maybe maybe my story will help uh, someone notice this thing. Has it given you uh, and uh, your friend, colleague Kelsey Kramer, the uh, you want to make another one? I would love to, but I think even more than that, it has reinforced that these skills that I have, I'm very good at getting to know people and I'm a pretty damn good writer, that they're transferable. They can exist in these other spaces. And if they can transfer to this, what else can they transfer to? Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's frankly, you know, I talked about opening doors. It's it's opening personal doors. I'm thinking about what's next and how, how do I keep telling stories that get to the heart of, humanity which you know cliche abound but there's more that connects us than divides us and there always will be how yeah. do i how do i just keep doing that no question um, and so more to come rick more to come on that you well, know i can't wait and I thinking can't, about that i can't wait to see you uh spread your wings even further you got to say a couple nice things about scott because scott this <laughs> this thing must have uh occupied a great deal of your time courtney what how yeah yeah how how is scott adjusted to iowa um he's he loves it he's adjusted super well um you know like i said south side guy really really passionate about his family and we moved five hours away um and i think for both of us it's given us a new understanding of independence you know which sounds silly to say at a, no, as a 34 year old but no, like to truly to truly figure out how to make it on your own was something that we both learned to do um and scott is uh my biggest fan yep. and my largest support system and we constantly learn from each other and feed off each other and find joy in being with each other. So Iowa has opened all of those doors for us as well. That sounds like the definition of a perfect marriage. Uh, Do you consider yourself uh, an Iowan now? You know, Chicago will always have my heart, and I can't tell you how many people uh, start the conversation talking about my accent (laughs) here. uh, It's it's a very popular... (laughs) Where the hell are you from? Yeah, where the hell are you from? Yeah. (laughs) Um, but we've really grown and flourished in ways that I think both of us would have never, you know, this is not supposed to be an eight year trip, um, eight year plus, you know, this was a few years to get back. Um, 
And both of us have become the people that we're supposed to be, or we're closer to the people that we're supposed to be here. Um, and we're just five hours away, Rick. I can get back, you know, yeah, if I need true. to get back. I can be there in a day if I need to. Exactly. Sure, sure, sure. Have you and Kelsey have the urge to ride Ragbri uh, on a bicycle? On, on a bicycle, yes. not a car. <laughs> yes, I would love to do it. Um, and I just got to work out, you know, the actual work part of it because yeah. it's a big deal. We cover it every year, so I would have to figure out how to do that. But I get anybody can do this. It's very much a recreational ride. It's a slow pace. So when I say 500 miles, it sounds really intense. Yeah, but so seven really, nights, truly, you're, stay for seven and you're nights. you're stopping all the time, and it's just a really positive, beautiful experience. So, yeah, I can't wait. Maybe you'll have me on next year, and I'll tell you all about how yeah, I Yeah, we'll do it li- live from the road, Courtney. It's great to talk to you, yeah. honey, and uh, congratulations. We will talk uh, further, but this is a... This is a great piece of work. That's all I can tell you. Give Scott go. Thank you so much. Go Rick. give Scott a hug, will you? Will do. Thanks, sweetie. Take care. Thanks. Take care. You too.